This episode is sponsored by the North American Commercial Vehicle Show. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. We're experiencing a time of rapid change in this industry with advances in technology, shifting regulations and rising expectations from shippers. But one constant through it all is the perpetual drive to improve fuel efficiency. And that will only continue as fleets look to improve their bottom lines, as greenhouse gas emission standards tighten, and as some large shippers partner with carriers that help them meet their corporate sustainability goals. At the end of the day, fleets that find ways to conserve fuel will become more profitable and will be in a better position to reinvest in their businesses and pass on some of those savings to their drivers. So much of the innovation we've seen in truck design and aftermarket systems in recent years has been geared toward reducing fuel consumption. These include improved aerodynamics for the tractor and trailer, low rolling resistance tires, and downsped powertrains, just to name a few. But at what point will the industry start to see diminishing returns in this never-ending quest for greater fuel efficiency? How much harder will it be for fleets and manufacturers to find incremental gains in fuel economy after they've already picked all the low-hanging fruit? And how will this industry take fuel economy to the next level? To help us find answers to those questions, we're going to bring in a few experts on the push to optimize fuel efficiency. Later in the program, I'll speak with Megan Pino and Dan Arce of Shell Lubricants, which last year introduced its Project Starship concept truck to showcase how various fuel-saving technologies can come together to enhance overall efficiency. But first, I'm excited to welcome Daryl Baer, Lead Engineer and Chief Operating Officer at Mesilla Valley Transportation Solutions, a provider of fuel economy testing for fleets and suppliers. MVT Solutions is a subsidiary of Mesilla Valley Transportation, a fleet that has become well-known for its use of fuel-saving technologies. Thanks for joining the program, Daryl. Thanks a lot for having me. So today, roughly six miles per gallon is generally considered average fuel economy in this industry. We also know that some fleets are going a lot further than that by deploying the right mix of technologies. In fact, if you really push the limits, it's possible to get all the way up to 10 miles per gallon, as we saw with NACFI's Run on Less project in 2017. Mesilla Valley, I should mention, was one of the fleets that participated in that event. Daryl, I want to get your sense of where the industry stands. What's your overall assessment of how fuel economy and trucking has improved over the last decade or so, and how much room for improvement is still out there? Well, in terms of technologies, like you said, there has been a lot of improvement. You know, we see 10 miles per gallon, but we still see the, the industry average as six. So really what, what there is, is there's been a, sort of a lack of progress overall in the industry with some fleets making big differences. Um, in the run on less, you know, we saw an average of 10 miles per gallon. MBT's truck was actually uh, averaged 11. So, the, you know, those are all with technologies available on the market today. So it really comes down to um, not so much what technologies are available, but but the improvements can really be found by what the fleet's willing to implement. Um, you know, to go from six mile per gallon to nine is a is a big improvement. I mean, it's it's fifty percent. So, um, in terms of of the overall improvements that we can see in the industry, it really comes down to implementation. We've seen lots of new fuel saving technologies hit the market over the years, and of course, as you mentioned, uh, not everybody has adopted those technologies. Uh, but in particular, for those fleets that are at the forefront and have been putting a lot of these uh, systems and technologies to use, do you see a point at which the industry will start to see some diminishing returns on that never-ending push for greater efficiency? You know, in other words, is, is it going to be harder for fleets to find incremental gains in fuel economy after they've already picked all the low-hanging fruit? 
the, the industry really isn't anywhere near the point of diminishing returns. Even with MBT um, as a fleet, you know, they're around averaging around nine miles per gallon and still working very hard to implement new technologies just because there is still a lot of money to be to be saved with fuel economy. And when we talk about the industry as an average, you know, at six miles per gallon, if you compare that to an average of nine, the amount of money that could be saved there is enormous. I mean, we're talking $20,000 plus per truck annually, if you look at 125,000 miles a year at $3 a gallon. And, and I mean, $20,000 is, is a lot of money to save per vehicle. So in terms of the of diminishing returns, no, we're, we're nowhere near that. There's so much to be gained for a fleet with fuel economy today that it's, it almost sounds too good to be true from a fleet perspective, but there's a lot of room for improvement and opportunity. Yeah, understood. And let's take a moment to talk about the importance of fuel economy testing and validation. So of course, you know, we mentioned all these different types of products and, and their claims that they'll save a certain percentage of fuel, but whether or not you actually realize that in the field will depend on your own specific operations at your own company. And it becomes very difficult to pinpoint exactly how much fuel savings you can attribute to a specific system or product because there are so many variables, right? Driver performance first and foremost, uh, but also traffic and weather conditions, just to name a few. So how does MVT Solutions try to isolate all those variables to evaluate real-world fuel savings? Well, this is the most important factor to a fleet. It's their holy grail. And it's actually what makes MVT Solutions very different to any other kind of fuel economy validation process. You know, the testing and the real world, they are very different, but they're 100% connected by science. And our testing takes that science into account by quantifying the effects of, of the variables that you mentioned and variables such as wind and temperature and speed. And we do all that using sensors and a lot of engineering. But then at the same time, we do the same for the fleet by analyzing their duty cycle and their climate and their operations. And by combining the test result information with the fleet information, it allows us to translate the results directly to the fleet's real-world operation. And, and those, that translation and those values are very specific to every fleet because it depends on their unique conditions. So other test methods, they, they just don't do that. So they, they kind of stop halfway, and it's why fleets have traditionally seen very big differences between an advertised fuel claim and what they actually experience in real-world operations. about the North American Commercial Vehicle Show. The North American Commercial Vehicle Show, NACV Show at www.nacvshow.com is a B2B exhibition focused on fleet decision makers and key influencers in the commercial vehicle industry. The NACV Show has been designated a Gold 100 Awards honoree by Trade Show Executive, a top trade show industry publication honoring the largest and most accomplished trade shows of the year, leading truck and trailer manufacturers and commercial vehicles and part component suppliers will demonstrate their latest product offerings during the NACV Show 2019, taking place at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta from October the 28th through the 31st. And you know, as you know, when fleets are really pushing for peak fuel economy, you know, some of the systems they tend to look at include aerodynamics for the trailer and tractor, uh, lower rolling resistance tires, downsped powertrains, automated transmissions, six by two axle configurations, and even operational changes, of course, like reducing engine idling. 
Uh, but I have to ask, Daryl, I'm very curious, uh, from your experience, uh, what technologies and strategies do you find make the biggest difference in fuel economy? Well, of course, it all depends on the application. And of course, there are a lot of technologies on the market. But truthfully, the biggest difference that, that we've seen is really in strategies. Um, fleets really need to change their strategy and start asking for help instead of trying to do everything themselves, you know, and, and seeking out experience of people that have successfully implemented these technologies. What we see over and over again are fleets trying things and six by two axle configurations are a great one. You know, they, they try to implement this within their fleet, but they, they fail to overcome some of the obstacles and which could be with drivers or traction or various things. So it, it really comes down to the, the strategy of a fleet to say, okay, we, we do want to try these things, but we know we can't do it alone. We need to bring the help in to see if we can do this successfully and without so much headache. And of course, the, the number one thing for a fleet is that they just don't want to interrupt operations. I mean, it's they have a job to do and, and fuel economy is not their number one priority. So, so it really comes down to, to making a, a successful transition from, from where they are today to where they want to be in the future. And, and that requires getting some help. Now, I, I will say in terms of, of numbers, um, you know, there, there are some, some very big numbers in terms of fuel savings. We've seen up to 8% in just between brands of tires, all ro low rolling resistance tires, 8% just between brands. So the, yeah, very, wow. very big numbers. And of course, every tire manufacturer claims they have the most fuel efficient tire, but, you know, it, it's up to the fleet to, to do their own investigations or or to look to someone that has those answers but every fleet should really have their own their own tire program tested for fuel economy because there is so much to be saved there um, when we talk about downsped powertrains uh, we've seen varied results there as well um, generally you know the lower rpm of the engine and the drivetrain is going to improve fuel economy but there's also a trade-off depending on on the load scenario of the vehicle if you're climbing a lot of hills, a higher RPM might help a little bit, or also with heavier loads. So it, it really, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all thing, but generally speaking, the lower you can bring the drivetrain RPM, the better it's going to be for fuel economy. But, but it's, it's something that you also have to watch. Um, you know, you mentioned automatic transmissions, you know, they've had a, a huge adoption in the trucking industry and had a lot of resistance at the beginning, but you know, their, their ability to take the, the manual shifting out of driving is, has really improved the average MPG of most fleets. And, and it really takes the, the lower end of the drivers and, and boosts them, the, the people that really have trouble shifting. So that's definitely a, a, great, a great technology to adopt for, I would say, almost any fleet. Um, you know, I mentioned six by twos. We've seen some significant numbers with that, but the, the trade-off is if, if you can't get the operational side of it happening in your fleet, then it becomes a headache. Um, idling, you know, th that's another one. Of course, if the truck's idling, it's not, it's not getting you anywhere. So you're wasting fuel, but of course, driver comfort becomes an issue as well. Um, so that's a trade-off. All, all of these things have trade-offs and it's really about, about not only just picking what's going to work for the company based on the application, but, but having the help to overcome the obstacles, whether it's drivers or operations or whatever they might be. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but, but there's a, there's a lot of things to consider. Moving on, Daryl, I, I understand that you worked on indie racing cars before coming to trucking. So I'm sure that gives you a, an interesting perspective on uh, designing vehicles for lightweight and uh, optimal aerodynamics, uh, which of course is, uh, you know, some of the big factors for, uh, for fuel economy. 
uh, you know, commercial trucking isn't a race, of course, but how much of a parallel do you see between streamlining race cars and tractor trailers? Well, actually, the parallels between racing and trucking efficiency are, are very strong. You know, what makes a race car go faster makes a truck go further. It's uh, just a difference of, of applying the same science, really. And whether you're streamlining aerodynamics or improving rolling resistance or friction or, of course, driver behavior has a, is a big factor in both. Um, but in terms of streamlining, you know, I've seen a lot of racing technologies um, continuously transferring to the trucking industry. Um, one thing that comes to mind is, is Daimler's last super truck. Um, you know, they had their radiators and heat exchangers were vented out the sides of the truck like an IndyCar or F1 car does. And, you know, I see a, a lot of these advanced technologies coming from racing and, and coming from other industries. And, that, and that's pretty natural. You know, historically, we see technologies from higher up. Um, translating down, you know, stuff that's in racing today came mostly from aerospace or places like NASA. But the, you know, what I see is that the the trucking industry doesn't need to reinvent the wheel with these things. They just need to get better at at finding people already using those technologies. So when it comes to fuel economy, you know, racing is definitely where where those people will be found because they're they're expert at optimizing fuel efficiency. Um, and, and I often have the same conversations with, with trucking companies with efficiency that, that we do um, in a race team. So, yeah, the, the parallels are very strong, very strong. Sure. And, you know, one of my takeaways here is that you know, these fuel-saving technologies we've discussed, they can only help you if you actually implement them. So just any final thoughts that you may have, Daryl, on how much the industry can stand to gain by simply adopting what's already commercially available? Oh, well, this is everything. I mean, adoption is everything right now. I mean, like we've seen, you know, the technologies available today, you can reach 10 miles per gallon and 11 miles per gallon. We've, we've proven that. But like I said, the fleets need to start asking for help and asking those that have proven experience implementing these technologies, because that's that's really the, the, the bottleneck right now. And in fact, that's why we created MVT Solutions. You know, it was it's for fleets to help them make decisions and move forward. And there are other organizations like this as well that are, are trying to help fleets. NACFI is, is one of those. You know, they they try and they gather information sort of on the on the macro level, whereas we're more fo- focused on the micro level, you know, showing what fuel economy products work and by how much and then uh, translating that directly for fleets. But um, quite honestly, I mean, the profit opportunities in, in fuel economy are so big, you know, fleets, they just don't realize how much of a gold mine they're sitting on. You know, we, we talk about the difference from nine miles to the gallon from six is, you know, $20,000 plus. It's a, it's a huge number and it's nothing to walk away from. It's, it's very much worth the time to investigate. So, you know, every fleet should be, should be implementing a, a process and asking questions, looking for help on, on how to get these things implemented in their fleet and how to do it successfully. And looking ahead, Daryl, you know, what do you see as the most exciting future opportunities to improve fuel economy? And you know, we've been talking about some of the technologies that are available today, are there any emerging technologies that you'd really like to start testing? Um, you know, the, the first part really is, as I've said, about adopting the technologies, learning how to adopt them. Um, the technologies that are available today, they're, they're much, there's much more available than, than what we're adopting. So the, what's exciting to me is really getting that knowledge to the industry and, and helping them implement things. That, that is the, the biggest part of, of it all. You know, we talk about the low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, even the... You know, there's some fleets out there that, that have picked a low-hanging fruit, but for everyone else, there's an entire orchard that they just need to sort of find and have help picking. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, in terms of technologies themselves, you know, 
what we've seen recently is really the, the biggest change seems to be coming with non-diesel powered engines. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, their biggest hurdle is range, which means that that trailer efficiency is going to be critical to fleets adopting those. You know, if if a fleet is looking to adopt, um, let's say, electric vehicles or, or some other alternative energy that only has a range of 400 miles, well, if they improve their, their trailer program to be more aerodynamic and, and have less rolling resistance, you know, they can boost that range from 400 to 600 miles. Now, suddenly they, they have a much better means of adopting that into their fleet. So efficiency definitely isn't going to go away. Um, I think I think as fleets start adopting these new technologies with, with range issues, it's going to become more of more of that than it is as much a dollar issue. Okay. But I, I, I still think we're a long way from that because there's a it'll be a long time before fleets get fully away from diesel. Yeah. Uh, certainly a, a, the first few steps in a, on a very long road, uh, for, uh, alternative fuel and, and electric vehicles, I think, but certainly the, the, the possibilities are exciting and, uh, you know, really all your insight here has been, been great. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on Daryl. Uh, thanks for, uh, sharing your thoughts with us. And thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. After the break, we'll move on to a conversation with Megan Pino and Dan Arce of Shell Lubricants that we recently recorded at the Technology and Maintenance Council's annual meeting in Atlanta. About the North American Commercial Vehicle Show. The North American Commercial Vehicle Show, NACV Show, at www.nacvshow.com is a B2B exhibition focused on fleet decision makers and key influencers in the commercial vehicle industry. The NACV show has been designated a Gold 100 Awards honoree by Trade Show Executive, a top trade show industry publication, honoring the largest and most accomplished trade shows of the year, leading truck and trailer manufacturers and commercial vehicles and part component suppliers will demonstrate their latest product offerings during the NACB Show 2019, taking place at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta from October the 28th through the 31st. We're here at TMC's annual meeting in Atlanta, and we're pleased to welcome a pair of experts from Shell Lubricants to discuss the trucking industry's march toward greater fuel economy and the role that engine oils can play in that effort. Joining us are Megan Pino, Global Brand Manager for Shell Rotella, and Dan Arce, Global OEM Technical Manager. Thank you both for joining the program. Thank you for uh, thank having you, us. So we're here at the annual meeting of TMC in Atlanta, and a year ago at this event, Shell introduced its Project Starship truck, which really highlighted various technologies, uh, aerodynamics, that can save fuel and reduce emissions. So Megan, maybe can you uh, recap some of the technologies included in that truck's design? and also explain why Shell decided to invest in a project like this. Yeah, absolutely, Seth. So at Shell, we recognize that we have a global energy challenge on our hands, and we realize that there's no one single solution that is gonna help meet the challenges before us globally. Um, and so we believe that partnering with others, collaborating to co-engineer a project like the Starship Initiative um, and, and demonstrate what's possible in lowering CO2 emissions in the transport industry is one way that we can make an impact. And so um, we, we began our, our quest to build the Starship truck several years ago. And as you said, we're very excited to reveal it last year. We were reminiscing yesterday, excited that it's been a year 
since we uh, unveiled the Starship truck. Um, but it was a really exciting project and allowed us to further the conversation in the industry around freight ton efficiency, um, and rather than focusing strictly on miles per gallon. And it allowed us to demonstrate what technologies can do today that hopefully fleets and owner operators and others can implement on their trucks to start to see improvements in the reduction of CO2. Sure. In terms of technologies, I'll let Dan be the one to talk about yeah, that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. And our Starship project was a awesome project to work on. We really looked at this as kind of a laboratory on wheels, and so we were able to to test out really a lot of technologies that are available today. And if I kind of bucketed everything to about three different buckets out there, we had technologies that we put on the truck that helped the. Uh, aerodynamics of the truck. So everything from a you know a very aerodynamic bespoke type carbon fiber cab to uh, cab extenders and fairings and, and boat tail on the back all to help uh, the aerodynamics of the truck. Um, th then we also did things to improve the efficiency. Stuff like uh, you know adaptive cruise control on the truck, driver assist so uh, computer is telling the driver and he can make real-time corrections in how he's driving to uh, help improve uh, the the fuel efficiency uh, that he's getting and, and then our, our shell lubricant technologies in there we use this as a platform to go out with our, our new FA4 engine oils and to put a, a 5w30 FA4 which if in case uh, you know, listeners aren't familiar with FA4, FA4 is a, uh, the latest technology, latest specification for heavy-duty diesel engine oils, and it's blended to a lower viscosity that provides a fuel economy benefit. Right. And so to, to put those type of products, engine oils, axle oils, and greases and stuff that can provide some fuel economy advantages. Yeah, and we'll circle back to that and uh, go into a little bit more detail. But first, I want to go back to the sort of notion of uh, freight ton efficiency. And, you know, of course, we're, we're all so used to MPG, miles per gallon. You know, we've uh, come through this industry that's been such a central focus. So uh, why is it uh, important to look beyond MPG at a little bit of a different, more comprehensive metric? Well, I'll, I'll take a stab at that and I'll let, I'll let Dan finish up. Um, as I mentioned at Shell, we realized that uh, you know the reduction of CO2 is is important, uh, something to focus on, um, and we believe that this is a more accurate measure of energy expenditure, and it obviously it factors in the freight, the you know the weight that the truck is is carrying, and so um, we wanted to focus on on that and help drive that conversation in the industry um, because fuel economy is obviously important for savings in in fuel, and and that was a factor that we measured, but then coupled with trying to um, load the truck as heavy as possible um, in order to maximize the freight that it was able to carry um, at the lowest um, possible emissions. Sure. Yeah, I think, Megan, that, that's perfect. We're really saying, you know, how much fuel does it take to move freight from point A to point B? So the more freight that you can move for the lower amount of fuel, the better freight ton efficiency, the more uh, beneficial, the less emissions that you're putting out. You know, I think it, it, it's... Um, interesting to point out here that when we're looking at reducing CO2 emissions, you're, you're looking at reducing the amount of fuel burned. And because you, you generate a certain amount of CO2, 22.4 pounds of uh, CO2 for every gallon of diesel fuel that's burned. So if we can reduce the amount of diesel uh, fuel that's burned, we're going to reduce the amount of CO2 that's coming out, uh, the, the stacks on it. Um, and, and concentrating on freight ton efficiency, it's really saying how how efficient can we be? And, and I like to use the example: if you were, you know, if if, if we were driving from, you know, Atlanta down to 
I don't know, down, down to Florida or something, you know, and, and it was so just you driving down there. Let's say you use 15 gallons of fuel to get there. Okay, so you're one person mile or one person for 15 gallons to get there. But if you and me and Megan, we all got in a car, yeah, maybe we'd use 20 gallons of fuel to get there. But then if you really break that down into a amount of fuel per person or again we can look at this it's the same thing uh when you're carrying product and moving it you know how much are we at fuel is it actually using to move it down there so we're much more efficient when we can become more heavily loaded right and reduce the weight of the base vehicle so all these things come together will give us our best freight ton efficiency and reduce the amount of, of co2 yeah, look at all the variables that add up, that go, come together in that equation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, which is an interesting way of, of looking at things. So the Starship truck, of course, uh, demonstrated its results with a coast-to-coast uh, freight run last year. Uh, so what's next for this uh, this project? Yeah. What can we look forward to seeing next? Well, as we spoke about last year when we completed the coast-to-coast demonstration run, we were really pleased with the results that we were able to achieve. But there were some things that we, we weren't able to get done. We learned some things on the, the test run. Uh, and so we have decided to pursue those uh, and to make additional improvements. So this year we are um, we are opening up the hood and, and starting to do some work to, to see how much better we can be. Uh, and again, for us, it's it's really about furthering that conversation. And um, we think that went really well. Um, folks were really receptive to, to the truck and to the concept. And um, But we think that there's more to the conversation. So uh, stay tuned for more information as we continue to develop that. All right, we'll do that. And you know, just talk a little bit more about the role that uh, engine lubricants play in uh, fuel economy. Uh, so engine oil probably is not the first place that a lot of fleets will look for fuel economy. It is a factor. Uh, and uh, Shell, of course, has been making his case that uh, this is a, an opportunity for significant savings if you, if you do it right and, and, and pay attention to the options that you have that are available on the table these days, uh, really just by moving to a lower viscosity uh, uh, lubricant. Uh, so, Dan, why should fleets really take a closer look at this, and uh, even if it just means moving from uh, you know, a standard 15W40 oil to a, a 10W30? But, uh, so, 15.40 has kind of been the standard for, for, for many, many years. Um, but there are benefits that you can get by moving to a lighter viscosity oil. And in fact, uh, 10W30 is the primary viscosity grade recommended by most of your OEMs for late model vehicles. Just by making that change, by moving from a, a 15W40 to a 10W30 CK4 oil right now, you can save 2% fuel economy. That's a pretty big number, especially you take that 2% across your entire fleet, those numbers start to get uh, pretty big really quick. Um, and, and the key is, you can do that now without any compromise in durability of the engine, because these new engines were designed to run on lighter viscosities like 10W30s. So these are changes that can be made now relatively inexpensively um, and with some significant gains. Sure, and I know that at Shell you guys have done some pretty extensive uh, fleet testing and uh, test track testing of uh, uh, your oils and uh, you know, different makes uh, to, to validate that and uh, that, that 2% number. Exactly. In fact, we have we have tested in all sorts of vehicles and we have, in fact, at any one time we have over 200 trucks out on the road that are on test, all different makes, all different models out there. And we've been able to demonstrate this fuel economy across those. In fact, during our development process and, and ongoing now, we have uh, uh, accumulated over 80 million miles on these test vehicles. Um, again, being able to demonstrate that you get 
good wear performance with the lighter viscosity oils and along um, with improved fuel economy. Sure. Now let's also uh, take a moment to go back to uh, the new uh, uh, engine oil categories, uh, CK4 and, and FA4. Uh, those became industry standards in late 2016, so still relatively new and, and the industry is uh, uh, still uh, perhaps uh, going through that change uh, to some extent, but uh, by all accounts CK4 has been widely adopted at this point. Uh, FA4 has been slower. Uh, so I want to get your take on where the market is right now and what's your sense of how it'll look in the years ahead? Okay, so, so right now, um, as far as transitioning to CK4 and FA4, you know, all our customers that were, were using the prior category, CJ4, have transitioned to CK4 or FA4. And CK4 was really just a, a direct replacement for, for the CJ4 products. What we're seeing happen right now is we are seeing a transition to some of the lighter viscosity grades. 1540 used to be the predominant grade, still is the predominant grade out there, but we are seeing an increase in the amount of 1030 at the CK4 level that is, that is being uh, um, purchased right now. FA4 is even a lower viscosity, and there are a select number of vehicles that can use that, mainly 2017, a few that have some backwards compatibility to back to 2010. And we are seeing some of those, but we anticipate a change and a movement towards FA4 in the coming years now. Um, we see that we will have more customers moving to these lighter viscosity oils. Okay, and part of the issue right now, I, I think, is that uh, fleet maintenance directors generally like to keep things as simple as possible in the shop environment. They want to carry, you know, one one oil and one engine oil and, and keep it simple, uh, rather than and try to manage two. Uh, how much of a, a barrier is that, and uh, are, is it going to take a point where uh, fleets are going to want to? Uh, we'll have to basically move all the way over to, to, uh, to FA4 uh, to, to make that uh, really a viable option for them. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what's happening. The fleet wants one oil. They, they don't want to have to, you know, try and segregate. These trucks take this one, these trucks take another. So, you know, you, you look at a lot of the trade cycles out there are four to five years, and that's what we see. You, you do have some first adopters taking FA4 right now. But as we see where FA4 can be used in the majority of the vehicles, then we're going to see a, a huge uptick in, in the amount of FA4 in, in movement. Kind of exactly how I was explaining earlier, you know, 2013 is when a lot of the OEMs were all factory filling with 10W30, and now we're starting to see that increase in 10W30. Again, there's a slight lag in the uh, in the uptake of it. First, first adopters going, and then it's slowly gaining, and then we hit that point where a fleet can use 1030 across everything, and we see uh, we see an increase. Okay, great. Well, before I let you guys go, I do want to each ask you. Uh, um, I do want to ask each of you for just some final thoughts on how the trucking industry can really continue to, to find ways to, to squeeze a little bit more economy, uh, a little bit more efficiency out of his equipment and operations. Uh, Megan, final thoughts uh, to leave us with? Yeah, I think as Dan spoke about earlier, the easiest and and fastest and least expensive change that they can make is switching to a 10W30. Um, that that is a, a simple change it can save up to two percent fuel economy so um like we said most of most fleets i think are starting to adopt that but i think that there are still some out there that, that prefer their 15w40 so make the change to 10w30 all right and dan anything to add to that but you know what i'd like to add to is i think in having these kind of conversations with you and with your audience out there it, it, it's getting people talking about this it, it people are starting to look at hey how can i 
you know, do things to improve. And there's there's other things going on within the industry that are, are looking at challenging drivers, challenging fleets into what kind of fuel economy that, that they can uh, get out of their vehicles. And I think if you really look at things over the years, that, that's been a focus. And it's something that's coming a lot more clear. There's a lot of changes, little changes that can be uh, implemented that are going to help improve fuel economy and help reduce the amount of CO2 emissions. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of options on the table for for fleets that are looking for you know, small changes to make to make things just a little bit more efficient, uh, which is of course uh, paramount in this industry. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us. It was great to hear hear from you, and, and thanks for taking time out to share your insights. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Seth. Ten everyday uses of transport topics on Alexa. One, while you get ready for work in the morning. Two, while you cook breakfast. Three, while you eat breakfast. Four, while you drive to work. Five, while you're at work. Six, while you eat your lunch. Seven, while you're driving home. Eight, while you cook dinner. Nine, while you eat dinner. 10, while, well, let's face it, it's one minute with today's biggest industry headlines. The listening options are endless, so why be confined to 10? Simply say, okay, Google, talk to Transport Topics. Before we finish, let's recap what we've learned and revisit our original question of how this industry can move forward in this never-ending push for greater efficiency. Although incremental gains in fuel economy may become more difficult to find over time as trucks and trailers become increasingly efficient and streamlined, it's still a safe bet that even the most proactive fleets will still be able to find plenty of ways to cut fuel costs. And that's because there's still so much to be gained simply by implementing improvements that are already available. At the end of the day, though, the best options for a given fleet will vary depending on the application, freight and trailer type, as well as geography. It's also worth remembering that miles per gallon only tells part of the story. If you can reduce weight and increase payload, for example, you can save fuel by virtue of hauling more freight with the same amount of trucks, therefore boosting overall efficiency. Recent demonstrations have proven that 10 miles per gallon is already attainable, at least in certain cases when conditions are ideal. Of course, that's not realistic for all fleets, but when you consider the plethora of fuel-saving technologies and techniques that are available, there's always room to improve. And that truly is a victory, not only for your bottom line, but also for regulatory compliance, for your shipper customers, and for the environment. The next episode of Road Science will continue the conversation with a closer look at the latest advances in aerodynamics in the trucking industry. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. 